Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. This morning, I want to look at misquote number six. Are you ready for it? How many of you have made this statement before? God will, or he is saying, I will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. We hear that statement all the time. It's very comforting, isn't it? You're going through that stress. You're going through that struggle. You're experiencing all sorts of strife in life. You have all these things battling up against you. And some well-meaning person walks up to you and says, well, just remember God will never give you any more than you can handle. I don't know about you, but in those times I think, well, God must not know me very well. Right? Here's the interesting thing. God never said this. Jesus never said this. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, here is kind of where we get this quote, and we've, we've twisted a little bit beyond that. Um, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth when he says this, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. Aren't you glad that God is faithful? The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. He will never allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. Paul's words are very specific here. Paul is writing about what? Temptation. Temptation, yes, sin stalks us. I heard somebody say one time, well, I can resist all things but temptation. (laughs) Temptation stalks us. These things in life, they they stalk us. Sin desires to overcome you. It desires to overcome me. But what we must remember is the Bible says that we are more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors. Yet Jesus never said, I will never give you more than you can handle. Paul is writing about temptation. Sin, in fact, is the bait. But for the believer, praise God, sin is not irresistible. It's enticing. Let's be honest. Sin looks good in the moment, oftentimes. But God has given us a way out. What did it say? When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, if people apply Paul's words about temptation to general sufferings, you can see where the phrase or the line, God will never give you more than you can handle, comes from. And I don't doubt the sincerity of the people. I don't doubt the the good intentions. When you're talking to somebody and they're going through struggles, they're facing strife, they're facing difficulties, what you're doing as a listener is you're trying to figure out, what am I going to say? Yes? 
What can I say right now that's going to comfort John? What can I say that's going to comfort Sally in the midst of all this strife in their life and the struggle with their job or in their family or in their relationships or, or in their finances? What can I say to them that's going to encourage them in the moment? So what do we say? Well, God will never give you more than you can handle. I, I don't doubt the sincerity. I don't doubt the, the good intentions of the people, but sincerity, good intentions are not enough. The Bible does not say that there is never a struggle that is bigger than you can bear. Jesus never said this. I don't often hear people share this misquote with someone facing temptation. It's normally when someone is in the middle of pain or difficulty or a struggle of some sort. So let's consider this question. Will you ever experience troubles or stress or pressures or strife in your life that is more than you can bear in that moment? Yes, absolutely you will. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trials and sorrows. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. The problems of life are going to come. But the problem with this misquote is it brings about some unnecessary confusion and even guilt. Did you, did you grab a hold of that? It brings about unnecessary confusion and even Guilt. So for the next few moments, I want to talk about four truths regarding our life. Number one is this. Mistruths can lead you down the wrong path. Even well-intended mistruths can lead you down the wrong path. Well-intended mistruths can be dangerous when thrown into the mix. We must be careful with our words. Our words have a lot of power. Our words can encourage in the moments, or our words can destroy and even bring about death, emotional and spiritual death. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that you say What you share with those around you, what you allow to come out of you, your words can encourage, they can bring about life, or they can lead to death. And I love how the message paraphrase says this, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruits. You choose. They're poison or they're, they're fruits. They lead to death or they're nourishment to your life. The choice is yours, what you allow to come out of you. If we're not careful, the words that we speak can cause theological misunderstandings. Does God put adversity on me? No. Does God allow situations to happen in my life? Absolutely. Why? Because we have a free will. Not a single one of us 
have to do a certain thing. Now, God has a plan and a purpose for us, but we are not robots that wake in the morning and God says, today you move from here to there. It's going to take 13 steps to go from this point to that point. At that point, you're going to pick this up and you're going to move over here and that's going to take another 27 steps. That's not how God works. See, God gives us a, a free will to do things in life. God doesn't put the adversity on us. He doesn't put the struggles on us. God is not some sort of vindictive deity that weighs down his children, that puts all this pressure upon us. In fact, the opposite is very true. The psalmist himself declared this in Psalm 121, where does my help come from? Have you ever asked that question? You're in the middle of struggle you're in the middle of frustration. You're in the middle of strife in life. Have you ever asked, where in the world does my help come from? Yeah, we've all asked that question. And I love the psalmist's response. He says, my help comes from the Lord. In the midst of all that I'm going through, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the frustrations, in the midst of the discouragement, in the midst of the doubt, in the midst of the depression, where does my help come from? Well, my help comes from the Lord. He's the one that, that set everything in motion. He's the one that, that breathed life in the very beginning. He's the one that said, let there be light, and there was light. He's the one that propelled everything forward. My help comes from the one who holds the world in his hands. When trials come in your life, I want to encourage you, trust in God. The Bible teaches he is a loving father who has a good plan and a good purpose for your life. Not harm, not destruction. See, the majority of the suffering that we face in this world comes from three areas. The enemy, Satan. Satan puts roadblocks in your life. He puts struggles in your life. He throws rocks at you from time to time. Sometimes it's just consequences of life. It's Life isn't fair. Life throws things at us. Why? Because we live in a fallen world full of sin. And quite honestly, the third reason why we face strife in life is we just do dumb things. Let's just be honest. We just do dumb things and sometimes dumb choices have consequences. I have this problem when I go to the movies to watch a movie, I've got to buy the large popcorn. Because the large popcorn, you get a free refill, right? And I can't leave without getting the refill because, well, that would just be dumb. You never turn down anything free, but if you're like me, you eat the first bucket of popcorn before the credits even start, and then you have this desire to run out real quick before the movie starts and refill it up. Anybody else with me? Sometimes the indigestions of life are results of dumb choices of making mistakes on our own. God doesn't put 
struggles and sorrows in our life, but he allows them to happen. See, in those moments when we're going through that, look at, look at Job's life. Job realized, even though everyone else was saying, Job, it's your fault, it's sin, it's this, it's that, his wife, his encourager, his helpmate was right beside him the whole way. No, she wasn't. She looked at him and said, curse God and die. Boy, that's an encourager, isn't it? Words have the power of life and death. You choose. His friends were blaming him. Job had to come to the place that he realized, do I only give God praise in the good times and never in the bad? Had a pastor friend say just this last week, he said, if we only give God praise in the good times and not in the bad, then, then we're not really praising God, we're praising the circumstance. And I thought, man, that's good. In the moment, I can't remember which one of my awesome friends said that, but it was a great statement. If we only praise God in the good times, if we only praise God when everything is going great, if we only praise God when everything is aligning and going just right, we're not really praising God. We're praising the circumstance. You see, you're going to have adversity in life. You're going to have difficulties in life. But what you have to understand is even in the midst of that sorrow, there he is. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These guys were thrown in the fiery furnace. In the midst of that sorrow, in the midst of that difficulty, who was with them? Jesus. Even in the midst of the fire of life, Jesus is going to be there in your life. And maybe, maybe you're going through that circumstance because you need to learn something. I don't know about you, but I have a lot to learn. I have a lot of things that I need to learn. If you ever wondering if you, if you have enough patience, pray that God will give you patience. <laughs> but get ready because he won't just give you patience, he'll give you opportunities to learn patience. I've only preached on patience one time in 22 years of ministry because I realized I got a lot of sermon illustrations that one week. Because God give, gave me opportunities. He gave me opportunities to learn what it means to have patience. The same goes in the struggles that we face in life. Maybe you're going through that situation right now because there's something that you need to learn. Maybe you're going through that situation because you need to draw close to God. Maybe you're going through that situation because you need to be like the psalmist. You've asked the question, where is my help coming from? Who is going to be my source of rescue? You need to come to the place of realizing my help comes from God and God alone. The purpose of this message is not to fully develop this topic i don't have the time to do that but in a nutshell the reason sickness the reason disaster the reason trials are present in this world is because we live in a messed up fallen world it's part of the consequence of sin suffering exists in this world like a nuclear fallout from an atomic bomb we all suffer from the fallouts from the fall Sin has a ripple effect. You can blame sin. You can blame Satan. You can blame your dumb choices. But don't blame God for putting troubles in your life. Life isn't fair, but God is great. 
Not only will mistruths cause theological misunderstandings, but they will lead to emotional guilt. Have you been there before? You see, this misquote causes guilt because it it takes the person that is broken and it causes them to think that for some reason or another they are a second-class Christian. If they pass that breaking point or, or if they have just have so much load upon them that for some reason, somehow, God simply can't love them anymore. I would venture to say that there are thousands upon thousands of Christians that are facing problems in all areas of life. If you're not facing a problem right now, let me just tell you the truth. You're either approaching that problem, you're in that problem, or you're coming out of that problem. We have situations in life, thousands of Christians around the world face problems in all areas. Maybe it's mental issues, maybe it's family issues, maybe it's life struggles or financial struggles, conflicts, opposition, the list goes on and on. And they've heard this mistruth, maybe you've heard this mistruth, so you've stopped seeking any help. You presume that if you're truly right with God, then everything will be okay. So if you're having problems, if you're feeling a weight that's more than you can bear, then you must be doing something wrong. So you curl up in a ball of guilt and begin to blame God. Because after all, God will never give me any more than I can handle. So God, it's your fault and I'm angry with you. takes us back to our misunderstanding of the Bible. See, this simple, well-intended mistruth leads to unnecessary guilt and blame. That's the danger of mistruth. There are so many people experiencing unbearable pressures you've passed the breaking point of life you're struggling with the death of a spouse or a death of a child or a divorce or a loss of a job or a cancer diagnosis an unfaithful spouse a teenager that has just gone crazy or a job issue we're surrounded by brokenness and hurts and pressures And we hear the statement, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. And we think, "Uh uh-oh, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? See, understand this. God does not put the load on you, but he will give you a way out. Did you grab a hold of that? God won't put the load on you, but he will give you a way out. Psalm 121 verse 8 says this, The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. God keeps an eye on you. God has your back. The second truth that I want to look at this morning is this, God is able to show you a way out. I love this psalm, Psalm 18. It's one of my favorite psalms, and it says this, The ropes of death entangle me. 
floods of destruction sweep over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. Now, some of you right now are going, Pastor, you are crazy. Why is this one of your favorites? Let's, let's go on. But, don't you love when you get to a portion of Scripture and it's just laid all this stuff out and, and all the struggles and strife out and then it uses the word but? But, in my distress, <laughs> in the midst of all that I'm going through, in the midst of the entanglement with death, in the midst of my grave being dug, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me. Aren't you glad that he hears you? I want you to know this morning that, that your prayer your prayer is not falling upon deaf ears today. God sees you in the midst of your hurts. God sees you in the midst of your despair. God sees you when you're standing over your grave. God sees you when you're entangled by all the strife of life. God sees you where you are. He hears your heart's cry. My cry to him reached his ears. He, he reached down from heaven and rescued me. He, he drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but, here it is again, the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. Why? Because He delights in me. Come on, you can put your name there. Put your name in that sentence. He delights in Bob. He delights in Jacob. He delights in clay. The Lord heard my distress. He heard my sorrows. He heard what I'm going through. And even though my enemies were too strong for me, as I cried out to God, God rescued me. He brought me out of the deep waters when I thought I was going to drown. He began, became my support. I'll tell you, this culture has a support group for everything, which is not a bad thing. We need support groups, but I want you to know the greatest supporter that you can ever have is God. The Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. Why? Because He loves Chris. You put your name there, Eric. Because He loves you. Josh, because he loves you. God sees you in the midst of your struggles. You're broken. You're beaten down. You feel defeated. Maybe you've even come to the place that you've questioned God. God, why are you allowing this? God, why are you allowing me to go through all of this? 
What I want you to grab a hold of is God did not place this upon you, but he's ready to rescue you out of it. Here's the truth. We must allow ourselves to come to that place of release. The psalmist on the onset of this scripture, he said, man, everything is going against me. Death is entangled around me. Destruction has swept over me. My grave is already prepared for me. There's a trap right in my path. It seems hopeless. It seems like I I can't find my way out. Too often we settle in the discomforts. Too often, that's where we stop. We just kind of hang out in that zone of life just stinks. Life is so unfair. And we, rather than take it to God, we just take it to one another. And in that moment, we get that encouraging. Oh, well, dear brother, know this. God will never give you any more than you can handle. And we miss the opportunity for the switch to be turned. You see, the psalmist in this moment, we see this this switch, we see this transition from, I'm about to die, but I feel like my enemy is about to overtake me, they're stronger than I am, but In verse 6 is our transition. It says, but in my distress, I cried out to God. I prayed to my God for help. It's in this moment that we see David begin to allow God to rescue him. See, way too often we, we hang out in that area of sorrow, in that midst of despair, in the pits of death and we don't allow God to rescue us Psalms 23 says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil why because God is with me when I'm going through that struggle when I'm going through that sorrow when I'm going through that hurts I may have lost everything else around me Everyone else may have turned their back on me, but I know that I know that I know that I know that my God has never abandoned me. I can walk right next door to death's door and I will never have to fear. Why? Because God is on my side. Look at what Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are pressed on every side. Have you ever been pressed? but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. I want to let Paul be our example of the Christian believer for the next few moments. No doubt Paul experienced struggles and strife in life. And we've read it. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten more times than anyone should really be beaten. He was jailed. He was mistreated. The Bible says he went hungry. He went without the clothing he needed to stay warm. 
He was bitten by a snake. All these things transpired in his life. But he says, I've been pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not driven to despair. I'm hunted down, but I'm not abandoned by God. I get knocked down, but I will not be destroyed. Sometimes life is tough. When you hit rock bottom, understand that God is with you. Truth number three. It is time to release your past. Come on, look at these. Number one, what was number one again? Mistruths can lead. Is anybody taking notes out here today? Okay, thank you. We had one person on this side taking notes. Two people. Number one, mistruths lead you down wrong paths. Number two, God is able to show you a way out. And number three, it's time to release your past. There are many of you today that you're in the midst of the sorrow because you're holding on to yesterday. You're allowing the despair and the struggle and the hurts and the mistakes of yesterday to determine what's happening today and tomorrow. But Psalm 32 says this, what happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Everyone has regrets. Why? Because not a single one of us are perfect. Did you know that? There's not a single person in this room that is perfect. We all have things in life that we think, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have sent that text. Right? Have you ever sent a text and you thought, I wish there was a back button. We all have regrets in life. We make mistakes. We face difficulties. We all have things that weigh us down. Difficulties from the troubles of the past. The truth of the matter is this. When you cut yourself, you automatically bleed. When you violate your conscience, you automatically have regrets. And what someone or something, there has to be someone or something to blame. But God never meant for you to live that way. He never meant for you to go around holding on to the guilt of yesterday, the guilt of the past, a load of guilt carrying around all the time. God has come to give you a better way. Isaiah 43 says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now, I know that Scripture, God is talking about what He did for the children of Israel and, and how He led them across the Red Sea and how He led them out of slavery in Egypt. I understand that. But I think for our purposes this morning, we can say, God, I know that You've led me to a new way. God, I know that You set me out of the captivity of the struggles of my past. Lord, I know that even though I messed up, You crossed me from that side to this side. So Lord, I'm going to forget the former things. I'm not going to dwell upon the past anymore. 
God, I know you're about to do something new. It's time to release the past. Don't keep focusing on the stuff from yesterday. Forget it and let it go. Look to the future. Look ahead. Don't cling to the events or dwell on the past. Look to what God is going to do. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years. And they set themselves up on a self-imposed sentence. They're basically declaring, well, I, I have to stay unhappy because of my past. Well, I blew it. I made a big mistake this time. Or they say things like this, life has got me overtaken right now. They've doomed themselves. The truth is, God is ready to release you from their past. Here's the important thing for you to grab a hold of. It's not so much where you've been that counts, but where you are headed now. See, the Bible says that God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. To be remembered when? No more. So why do we keep bringing it up? Why do we keep hashing through those things? Give it to God and move forward. Surrender it to Him and move forward. God's about to do something new. Let Him lead you to a brand new place. It's not so, it's not so much where you've been that counts, but where you're headed now. And finally, truth number four. It's time to redirect your approach. See, once you move past the past, once you forget about the past, now you've got to find something else to look toward. Because we're, we're going to find something to dwell upon. There's not a single one of you in this room that doesn't get fixated on something There's that new product coming out and you're like, man, I, I've got to have that. And at first you talk yourself out of it. Oh, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need that new one. But then you start seeing the advertisements for it. And, and you know how Google stalks you and Facebook stalks you? You've just had that conversation at lunch. You haven't looked anything up, but you just talked about that new phone and suddenly you're inundated with that phone on social media. Hey, come on, anybody else. If you're listening today, Jesus loves you. I asked Siri one time, I asked Siri if, if she was a Christian, and her response was this, it's about you, Chris, not about me. But yet she stalks us in our conversations. And we're, we're inundated with all these things. We become fixated upon this thing. And suddenly, we have to have it. It's the next greatest thing. And what I have right now is not nearly as good as that. You see, we all have things we, we're fixated upon. We're focused on. So it's time to, to redirect that approach. Rather than dwelling upon that circumstance or that struggle or that strife or that hurt or the regrets, release that. Give it to God. And let me just say this. You may have to do that numerous times. Because every morning you're going to want to pick that thing up. Well, it's time to get ready. Let me pick up regret. 
No, every morning say, regret, I don't like you, I don't need you, get out of my face. Come on. You need to speak truth. You don't define me. You don't own me. You have no part of my life. God has set me free from you. You see, you don't have to live amongst the pits. You don't have to live amongst the despair. Death may be trying to entangle you, but you don't have to allow to that to do that because God is a God of life and God wants to give you life. So it's a daily conscious decision to say, not today. I'm not going to allow you to walk with me today. You have no place. I know we talked about Elijah a few weeks ago, but I've got to bring him up again today. 1 Kings 19, it says, Then he, Elijah, went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Could you imagine what would have happened in that moment if somebody would have been walking by and they heard Elijah cry that out and they stopped and said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. God will never give you more than you can handle. See, Elijah was at a breaking point. What's crazy is he had just had a long string, three years of fearless moving forward with God. I mean, he had cried out to God and fire had come down from heaven. The land had been in a drought and he prayed and rain fell from the sky. And yet suddenly this woman threatens his life. He turns and runs in fear becomes depressed and says, I can't do it anymore. Elijah was a prime candidate to jump on the bandwagon of God will never give us more than we can handle. He was physically tired. He was emotionally exhausted. This lady had just threatened his life. But I find it interesting that James chapter 5 says this, Elijah was a man just like us. Wow, I can relate to Elijah. We've had those moments when we feel overwhelmed. Elijah faced problems. Yes, he had mountaintop experiences. But how many of you know the higher your mountaintop experience, the lower your valley? Sadly enough, we gain momentum coming down that mountain. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. In the midst of that despair, seek after God. We find ourselves in such a mess, and oftentimes it's because we haven't redirected the approach. We have this faulty thinking going on. We get negative in that moment. We think, wow, there's no way out of this. And guess what? You begin to think negative, you're going to respond negative. Proverbs 23 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, I don't know, pastor, if I'm ever going to survive this. Well, you're not. Well, 
I just, I just don't think that I'm going to be able to get past this. Well, you're not. Until you make a decision to redirect. Until you make a decision to cry out to God. We read this psalm earlier. David says, man, I've got all this distress. But it wasn't until the point in time that he redirected. It wasn't until the point in time that he said, I'm not going to look at this anymore. I'm not going to let this consume me anymore. I'm going to turn to the one who holds the answer in his hands. I'm going to turn to the one who hears my cries. It's time to step out of the despair and the sorrow of life and move toward Jesus.